Welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. I am Samantha, the Drug-Free Communities Grant Coordinator for Breakwater and your host for today. In this episode, I sat down with Bryn from the ADRC and Alana from the Winnebago County Health Department to learn about seniors, substance use, and the Age-Friendly Communities Initiative. One thing I want to point out, and really no Breakwater podcast would be complete without discussing substance use prevention and reduction in some way, is that substance use is a concern for older adults as much as it is with youth. We've worked with the Oshkosh Senior Center in the past to help distribute doTERRA drug disposal bags and information on how we can unintentionally play a role in youth substance use and the importance of properly disposing of unwanted or unused medications. Having prescriptions, especially those prone to misuse, in the home can serve as an access point for youth or others experiencing substance use disorder. While use of illicit drugs in older adults is much lower than other age groups, it is currently increasing according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse. According to NIDA, older adults are often more susceptible to the effects of drugs because as the body ages, it often cannot absorb and break down drugs and alcohol as easily as it once did. Older adults are also more likely to unintentionally misuse medicines by forgetting to take their medicine, taking it too often, or taking the wrong amount. Common reasons older adults may take substances is to cope with the big life changes such as retirement, grief and loss, declining health, or a change in living situation. Lastly, NIDA points out symptoms of substance use in older adults can be easily confused with other symptoms of aging, which could include chronic health conditions, reactions to stressful, life-changing events. The Age-Friendly Community Survey is available now. Check the show notes for links and more. Bryn and Alana are up next. talk a little bit about seniors and a little bit about substance use, but I'm hoping that we could start with just each of you introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. Bryn, let's start with you. Sure. So I'm one of two uh, program supervisors within the Aging and Disability Resource Center, or ADRC. Um, in my role as supervisor with um, within the ADRC, I help to support our benefits specialist team as well as our, our adult protective services team and do a lot of our ADL, ADRC outreach. And talking today about the Age-Friendly Workgroup Initiative, I also serve in the capacity as the community contact for that work with AARP. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your time. Alana? My name is Alana Erickson, and I am a supervisor with the Winnebago County Health Department. The division that I help support is called Healthy Lifespan, and we have um, a program area that we refer to as the Promoting Healthy Aging Team. So that's what brings me here. So, well, we're happy to have you here today as well. Bryn, you're with the ADRC, and it sounds like you kind of function within multiple roles there. Would you be able to share a little bit more about the ADRC and what is offered for anyone who may not be sure? 
Absolutely. Um, so our ADRC mission is to empower and support seniors and people with disabilities and their families, as well as caregivers. Um, most definitely, we've noticed, um, maybe through the pandemic or otherwise, that it's not just the individual who may have a disability or memory loss that's in need of care, but also the family and caregivers. I'd also offer that the ADRC is made up of four different teams. Uh, the first in no particular order because they're all important. But the first team would be our information and assistance specialists. They're frequently referred to as INA workers, and I affectionately call them our walking, talking ADRC resource directories. For the eighth year in a row, we've had a resource directory that is pulled together and it's free to the community that includes information on transportation, um, wellness classes, home delivered meals, you name it, it has a lot of information in it. Um, same too would be for our INA staff who are able to really address a variety of different issues or different um, needs that people contact us with. From there, I would say that our second team in the EDRC would be our Adult Protective Services staff. By statute, the county has to have a team of folks or an individual agency identified to intervene in abuse, neglect, or exploitation cases of vulnerable adults or elderly. So that's what our EPS unit does. Many times it's a lot about doing safety planning, helping to connect with resources before ever jumping to something such as um, intervening at a more legal level, like guardianship or protective services, though they are the team within the EDRC. ADRC that would be doing that. We also have a dementia care specialist within the ADRC, and she's a team of one, but she's amazing and she works uh, very well with all of us in the ADRC um, supporting us and us supporting her. In her role, as the title would suggest, she's supporting those with memory impairment or memory loss or dementia or Alzheimer's and their families. Um, she runs memory cafes, support groups, and a variety of different things. Another good program that she supports is called SPARK, which is a joint partnership with the local um, museums in Nina and then in Oshkosh also, where at a more cultural level, a family are able to go out and experience those arts and entertainments, but it's dementia friendly. So that is one great asset that she's able to bring. And then I'd say that our next two teams are almost a joint force. And what I mean by that is we have uh, disability benefits specialists as well as elder benefits specialists. Um, and they are a group that are able to support free of charge and unbiased information to folks who might call who are either aging into Medicare and want to identify the plan that's best for them, or with a disability benefit specialist, somebody who might be disabled and unable to work, but is overwhelmed with the process of applying for benefits with the Social Security Administration. That would be our specialist within the EDRC that can help walk that path with them. And then I just lastly offer that within the EDRC, we do have our advisory committee made up of individuals uh, within Winnebago County that are older adults and that are um, adults with disabilities of varying kind so that they're able to identify a strategic plan for us, what we're working toward, what those goals are, and really bringing the voice of the community into our work every day. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they do it all. 
Yeah. So basically any resource or service that a senior may need to be connected to or access to or help finding, you're you're the key or the window into that. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, it sounds like I'm giving us a lot of credit and I'm certainly not taking a lot of the credit, but it's a pretty fantastic team. If they don't know the answer, they can likely point you in the right direction. And many times they're the starting point. So somebody might call about a question that leads into three or four other questions, yet they're able to help get you maybe to that elder benefit specialist who can answer your Medicare question, then refer you on to behavioral health because maybe you needed some counseling or some information related to to that. And yet they're also able to get you information on transportation. So I would say that it is a one-stop shop. Alana, tell me more about the Healthy Lifespan Division at Winnebago County Health Department and what you guys work on. Sure. Well, I think it would help the listeners to know that Bryn is um, situated in the Health and Human Services Division, and then we are the Public Health Division. So while some of our work might sound like it really overlaps, that's a good thing, and we're trying to coordinate it. So the the history of the Winnebago County Health Department, we have a division here that's Healthy Lifespan, and that really houses the grants that are coming through from the state that are your basic safety net grants. So um, anything from young maternal health and home child visit all the way to this promoting healthy aging. More recently, um, some of our focus has been around Wellness Plus initiatives that Bryn and the ADRC help fund and, and work through. But we also are participants on a lot of healthy aging committees, ADRC boards, and public health role, as we've seen it in the past few years, is to really come in and put some intentionality into the health equity and inclusion of these programs. So we might not actually deliver the direct services, but we want to make sure that we're taking the right approach. We do have some great long-term public health nurses that have boots on the ground experience of going into the homes of these individuals, working with these individuals in congregate settings as well. So uh, we really think that we have a lot of experience and advice to share, and we want to make sure that we're part of the future planning. So kind of the the I almost want to say glue that holds it together, but more of, of the bricks building the bridge between oh. services and breaking down those silos is what I'm getting, right? I like it. So normally at Breakwater and on our podcast, our conversations and interviews are geared towards youth substance use prevention, risk factors, how we can build communities that help protect our youth from the dangers of substance use. And today we're shifting gears a bit and talking about those 55 years and older and an initiative to have Oshkosh be recognized as an age-friendly community. Why should we be concerned about older adults and substance use? So at the health department, we definitely think of seniors um, and substance use when it comes to falls. We've been really working hard on falls preventions. And one of the key factors that always bubbles up is um, either medication misuse or just use that how it affects your balance and um, your cognition, and then also the impact that alcohol has. So we know from the data that alcohol is a a large portion of many of the fall scenarios. And, um, you know, in Wisconsin, we have that 
that great, I don't know, reputation, I could say, as being um, indulgers. So Wisconsinites consume about three times the normal drinking amount of the rest of the United States. So I think when we talk about this, we're often talking about youth and underage drinking, and we don't think about overage drinking and how maybe your metabolism slows down or your ability to consume the same amount changes. So all things aside about what's recommended or not, we just know we have a heavier heavier utilization here. And uh, we shouldn't miss the opportunity to address that at any age and also think specifically how it might affect seniors. Yeah. And along with that, I think a lot of times we don't necessarily think about the interaction between normal prescription medications that people are taking for health maintenance and how those may interact with alcohol in a way that's unexpected. And when those two substances work together, they can cause some very scary effects. They can cause alcohol or medication-related falls and injuries, um, which, especially in the older population, can lead to loss of independence, which is not anything that anybody wants. And we did, we have seen a, a quite a shift in the past few decades about prescribing medication to the point where um, providers are more educated on the risk of um, dependency on certain medications. But maybe, you know, in the 80s or 90s, it was just seen as a great quick fix solution. So a lot of our elderly population might have been prescribed and utilized some of these medications for 10, 15 years. And then as the medical culture mind shift um, went away from that and prescriptions are less readily available, what were these seniors left with? You know, did they find an alternative that was healthy or did they switch to something else or maybe obtain those same medications, um, you know, by whatever route? So these are things that is kind of obvious when we sit down and really look at it, but I don't think we're considering it as we um, look at ways to find solutions. So that was my next question is really who's tackling this issue of seniors and substance use. And I, like I said, for breakwater, we primarily focus on youth. And when we do talk about seniors and substances, it, a lot of times it's framed in a source of, of access where if there's unused or unwanted prescriptions around the home, there's alcohol that's unsecured in the home. You, uh, youth may find that as a point of access, um, but we're not necessarily focused on preventing overuse or misuse of substances in seniors. So who is tackling that issue in the area? From an ADRC perspective, it isn't in a uniformed approach. I think how it may come to us is on a one-on-one basis. So we may get an APS referral as an example from law enforcement or hospital where um, someone's experienced an accident. Maybe it's a fall and there's um, substances at play. Maybe it's uh, misuse, likely unintentional misuse of medication or medication with alcohol. 
Um, and then based on the information we receive, I think from an EPS standpoint, we have different tools at our disposal. So it might mean that then it's a referral to behavioral health services, um, either within their network or maybe within the county, um, if they're willing, you know, to talk about education and how um, the prescriptions may be affecting them, education from their primary care physician. We have had a lot of recent success within the county regarding telehealth services. So more and more of those appointments are being kept as opposed to no-shows and cancel. So that is a positive step that we've seen. And sometimes, again, if it's unintentional use, and it's just a lack of education, it's better informing the individual about um, the situation at hand. And some of that can be dug into through in almost, you know, a soft interview or assessment process. We might assume that the fall was related to, you know, wall surfing or furniture surfing where they aren't properly using their mobility device, or maybe it's that darn throw rug we suspected all along on the carpet. But as we have more conversation, we find out that, yes, they are taking medication that's new to them, and they didn't expect it to have the effect that it would normally, and they're having their typical cocktail hour, and therefore experiencing something that was unexpected. So there are those opportunities to dig deeper. Again, they come in more on a one-on-one basis as referrals, and then we're able to offer supports as needed. And they may not come into us or into the ADRC, that is, through an EPS means. It might just be somebody isn't able to um, get to their doctor's appointment. So this might come in as a transportation request to one of our INA staff. And then if we have the opportunity to dig deeper, we may understand that the reason that they need this transportation is a result of not having been to their primary care in some time, which means maybe they should be on medication and they aren't. So it's it's not, again, a unified approach, and there isn't a specific ass- assessment for substance abuse, but we can offer the services to meet the initial need. And then based on the information um, that we get, we are able to possibly direct them in avenues to s- support them and limiting their use or eliminating their use and identifying other means of, of, you know, experiencing quality of life, whether it's a wellness plus program and connecting with peers that way so that they aren't so isolated. Maybe it's, um, you know, the um, older adult connect to tech program with the local senior center that affords them the opportunity to connect with a family or friend through an iPad and they wouldn't otherwise know how to use this iPad but for this source of being able to make the connections that just helps address some of the isolation and may therefore uh, reduce some of the falls or some of the alcohol or substance use. Yeah, I think Bryn covered a lot of what we also help out with. Some of that direct referral is sending a public health nurse into a home to help out with assessments or We even have um, the ability to do some medication setups that are paid for by Medicare. The the problem is we're realizing it was an unsustainable model to do one-by-one education on this. And with the last year of COVID response, really taking all of our public health nurses and directing that care to the response, there has been a big gap in our system where we're having these seniors homebound without these resources. And so as this conversation um, is 
rounding up this year, it's it seems like definitely we have a lot of resources out there and the healthcare systems are looking at screening for social determinants of health, but um, it would be great to coordinate it coordinate the services that we have and just make them more efficient um, in a way that we can address this topic head on and, and stop ignoring it. Part of the reason for you guys being here today is to ask listeners to take a survey if they are 55 or older or to encourage their parents, friends, colleagues, neighbors who may be 55 or older to take a survey. What will the survey results tell us about our community and how will those results be used? First, I think I'll get on the same page that, in fact, I think we are an age-friendly community as it stands right now, and there are a lot of very good benefits to working and living in Winnebago County. And I think that there's still a lot of room for growth, and that's a really good result of this discussion right here, is that there is an opportunity for synergy and putting all of these systems together and having maybe a consistent assessment and treatment approach to something like substance abuse and older adults. So the survey is um, actually now for 45 years and older, we switched it, that was brand new. And the, the purpose for having switched the age is that we wanted to bring in a younger demographic in order to really shape our future for decades to come. So we're getting a sampling from 45 year olds and 50 year olds, 60 year olds, 70 year olds and on up to find out what is important to them. So is their community lacking in some way? Is um, education, volunteer, job opportunities for them lacking in some way? Is it just that there isn't an awareness for programs that already exist and are having success? And maybe part of our priority is making all of our good work more accessible to more of our demographic. So the survey will be used to complete that comprehensive community action plan. It is a five-year plan that our age-friendly work group is making a commitment to. So that'll bring us through to 2024 because we received the designation in 2019. And the reason that we're trying to get as many people to complete the survey and do it anonymously so that they can be honest is we want this to be a good representation of Winnebago County. We don't just want this to be the work group that applied for this designation to create the priorities. We want our community, our residents, and our citizens to have a voice. And I think it, it an age-friendly community is beneficial to all. It has ripple effects for generations to come. So I think there is a vested interest for everybody to either complete it themselves if they happen to be 45 or older or help somebody else um, complete it if they need assistance. Great points, Bryn. I would just like to echo that, um, yes, it's obviously identifying the barriers that exist in our community and, and how we can align some of our solutions. But I think also here, we want to use this survey and the promotion of this new initiative to really highlight that seniors are a major part of our community. And I guess seniors probably not even an applicable term. I should just say older adults because we are opening this up to 45 plus. So that's a major part of our population and a major contributing part. Um, 
you know, we think about all the programs and volunteer options that we have. There are so many people that want to be included, want to give back, want to be part of the solution. And they have the experience and they have the time and the energy and the passion. So getting everybody geared up to work on this together is, you know, a big part of what I'm hoping comes out of um, promoting this survey. Thank you for saying that about, you know, seniors isn't necessarily an applicable term, just older adults, because I hear you say 45, Bryn, and I'm like, well, that's not too far away (laughs) from where I'm at. So I didn't think I was in that category quite yet or close to that category. So I like that term older adults a little bit better. So for those older adults who are 45 or beyond, Where can they find the survey and how do they take it? Is it electronic, paper, mail-in? Last week, we did a press release and Facebook Live event that you can find on both the ADRC's Facebook page and the health department's Facebook page, our websites. Um, And that really kicks off the initiative and explains the survey and it has some links. Uh, Bryn, can you tell them a little bit more about the different formats and how they can fill it out or share it? You bet. So ideally, we would like as many responses for the age-friendly surveys we can get electronically. Uh, The reason for that is it just helps us save time. It helps make sure that there isn't mistakes or miskeen when we have to take a hard copy and and then, you know, key it into the system. We've partnered with the Oshkosh Senior Center, who is able to, again, with their older adult Connect to Tech program, help individuals complete that survey. If there's assistance that's needed beyond that. I think that this is the time when we would ask family and friends to also help their loved one complete a survey if they just don't have access on a smartphone or maybe just have questions about, you know, what is the purpose of this survey? The other option is most definitely a hard copy survey. We will have those at different locations throughout the community. We haven't made them super widespread simply because a lot of places aren't open yet. So while being mindful of safety issues at a time when we need to still social distance and wear masks, we do have some of those hard copies at the Oshkosh Senior Center and the Oshkosh Public Library. And if anybody would like a hard copy mailed to them, they can contact the ADRC directly at the ADRC at co.winnebago.wi.us email address. And that allows us to um, simply mail one out to you. And from there, what will happen is the survey will be open about four weeks. We're hoping for a response rate of approximately 1,000, 1,000 plus people. And if we need to, we will keep it open because we do want a good sampling of our county residents. So we can keep it open longer if needed. But then depending upon our response rates, we will tabulate that information and we'll be able to get some really good raw data and some analytics back from AARP upon the collection of all the surveys, which is really when the work begins of crafting this community comprehensive action plan. And just to add on that, you know, the health department's really been trying to 
reach out and establish relationships, build partnerships with some of our unique populations that don't always have a great line of communication with the government for whatever reason over the years. So, you know, if you have a unique church group, cultural group, ethnic group that you could help share this link, we want to make sure that everyone's voice is included. You know, our demographics are changing greatly here and we recognize that and we need to hear from those folks um, that don't look like the traditional white middle class American that we saw in Wisconsin 50 years ago. We want it to represent what Winnebago County actually looks like today. And so help us reach out to those groups. Let us know if we can um, facilitate in any way by making sure that, that it's accessible on paper. We can mail out copies. Again, Bryn shared the, the email for that, and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes so folks can find it easily as well. You mentioned that creating healthy communities for older adults, senior citizens, means that we're also creating a healthy community for everyone. Can you expand on that a little bit? How does increasing social connectedness among seniors or addressing transportation or substance use in older adults improve the lives of everyone from birth on? A great way to explain this is just to give some examples. Uh, I know that the Oshkosh Senior Center and the Oshkosh Area Foundation recently worked on a grant with us that helped uh, bring more tech to seniors, so technology options, and think about the impact that has had in 2020 and 2021. I mean, helping these folks be able to still do their virtual doctor visits, stay connected with their families, all those things. So to start to disqualify older adults as, oh, no, they're not the tech generation. They don't need to be included. That was a wrong assumption. And we here identified it, found some funds, and um, started working on that um, issue, or I guess I would more or less call it an opportunity. So examples like that, um, also with pedestrian and walkability, we've worked a lot on making sure that it's accessible for those with handicap barriers. But when you think about a toddler that's three or, you know, someone hauling their groceries home for the store from the store or a 75 year old that needs to use a walker, every scenario, they're all going to benefit from a more walkable community. So that's where I'm coming from. I think that we uh, tend to think of ourselves as an individualist society where we all work our hardest, but we are social beings and we depend on each other and we're stronger when we work together. So I want to know my neighbors. I want to help my neighbors and I know they want to do the same for me. So let's think about that as, in as large of a context as we're able to for Winnebago County. Yeah, well said, Alana. I think the only other thing that I would offer is that in my personal experience, I remember going through graduate school and um, making things physically accessible. At, at the time, it was called handicap accessible. The term was coined um, as being a universal design. So yes, of course, you know, curb cuts and assisted door opening was helpful or rather necessary for those individuals with wheelchairs or, or walkers. It becomes that much more convenient and helpful, we find, in day-to-day -day life as well if we don't have a disability. So much 
attached to can be paralleled to that experience where the work that we do in order for our community to be age-friendly has a ripple effect and an impact on everything from services, like you mentioned, more walkable and safer streets, but also healthcare systems. I think a good example in our discussion today about substance use is if we're able to identify a system where we're working together to address this issue, we make it better not only for the people who might be experiencing that today and now, we also make that better for generations that are going to be 45 or 50 or 60. And even as a mother of elementary age children right now, if they should choose to live in this area as they get older, that gives me some personal peace and some personal pride to know that I have and hopefully many listening are able to contribute to making the community that is something they would want for their children, you know, where they know their neighbors and they're able to assist. And it's not an exception, but the norm that you know who your neighbors are and you're able to assist. We primarily focused on the issue of substance use today, uh, but this survey is going to cover more than just questions about substance use. Can you give kind of broad categories of questions that will be included on the survey? So it's a focus on your own home, your personal home, your community, homes as far as housing assistance, uh, public buildings. So you think about your post office, your library, your government buildings, public spaces, ice skating rinks, public parks, recs, um, those types of things, transportation, health and wellness programs, social participation, inclusion opportunities. Um, Back to uh, Alana's notion of making sure that we have voices from all of those individuals in our community. We want to make sure that those voices are just as representative. What opportunities for inclusion exist that we aren't uncovering? Educational opportunities, volunteer opportunities and civic engagement, job opportunities, and then community information. There is also um, some demographic information. This is also nothing that's going to capture your name, your address, your phone number. You're not going to be put on any type of calling list or selling list. This is just information to help us understand with the responses who and based on what age demographic has this as a priority. So there is a lot covered in the focus areas of the survey, which again, leads me back around to it being a a very hopeful opportunity to craft something that sets at least three or four good community priorities for us to be working on for the next five years. Yeah, and I can also add that usually when we do these community health assessments and um, try to figure out, you know, where are we looking to work on, we always start with models. I mean, there's always other community examples to look at and and see what they're trying. So uh, when you go out there and search for your evidence-based research, uh, we'll, we'll have guidelines, but we need to know locally how to adapt it, how to make it useful. Because if there's not buy-in and if there, there isn't a use for it, it's not going to be utilized and we've all wasted our efforts. So I use the funny example of telling a senior to get out and walk every single day is great if you live in Arizona. But here in Wisconsin, it's just not applicable. So, I mean, these kind of surveys will give us that, that background story, that situational um, information that helps us create resources that are utilized here in a smart way. And how about how long will the survey take somebody to complete? 
So when printed out, the survey is 16 pages long, which can feel like a lot, which uh, again, I would encourage you to do it electronically if there is an opportunity or if you know you can pull somebody in to help you um, complete it because it does go quicker. But if you're able to do it electronically as you just select the buttons, it should take you no more than seven minutes, between five and seven minutes. If you're completing it on a paper copy, it might take you a little bit longer just simply because it's that many more pages. But I don't think that it's onerous. And I think that it's, you know, five to seven minutes, very, very well spent. I'm glad to hear five to seven minutes, because as you were leading, reading off all the areas that the survey covers, I'm thinking <laughs> it's going to take, it would take me two hours to, to fill this out. But five to seven minutes is much more manageable, manageable. And I feel like everyone can find five to seven minutes in their day to complete it or five to seven minutes in their day to help somebody else complete it. Yes, absolutely. So again, thank you both for being here today. It's always helpful when you can see the full picture from start to finish. I think it goes a long way in helping us understand how we are all connected, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it. So many of the items that you're looking at with this work, social connectedness, outdoor spaces, housing, transportation, are things we focus on when looking at youth substance use prevention as well. And intentionally building equity and inclusion into policy is super important. Thank you both for doing the work that you're doing and for coming here today to share that work with our listeners. Is there anything else you'd like to share or leave our listeners with? I would like to uh, jump in and commend the ADRC staff, their board, and Bryn for prioritizing um, this critical aspect of engaging our aging population when we start to look for solutions. We've demonstrated it today that we don't know what we don't know. So let's start talking, let's have a discussion, let's be open and honest. And so once you name it, you can tame it. I guess that's what they say. <laughs> I, we, we do know that this work will never be done because we're going to constantly improve it and we're going to make it better. But for me, that's a hopeful sentiment. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for being a part of the work group to help us craft and really um, build that foundation um, so that we can launch and do some good work. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And to anyone listening, don't forget to check the show notes for those important links and email addresses so that you can find the survey. Thank you.